Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we are chatting with Tom Thumb, who is one of the world's top beatboxers and also a phenomenal YouTube creator. I do a lot of turntablism. Other scratches like trumpets. You might have seen a bunch of his videos, including the one from the Sydney Opera House, where he does a TED Talk, which is now the most popular TED video of all time. Frederico, before we get started, we've been working really hard in the background on our own online course called Changer College, the online college just for content creators. Check it out at changercollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R, college.com. Let's get into it. Waka waka. Whoop whoop. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's rock and roll. Tom Thumb, welcome to Creator Generation. Cheers. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you on the show. Um, tell us who you are. Uh, my name is Tom Thumb. I am a musician from Brisbane slash Ipswich. I am a beatboxer. I do a lot of editing. Basically, a man with a lot of different hats in a cupboard. And sometimes I wear them for different occasions. Yeah, you're also a uh, a video creator. Yes, I am. One of the hats. Yep, that's a, that's one yeah. of the hats. It's my directorial <laughs> hat. Are you a former breakdancer, or are you still? Yeah, definitely former. Yeah, um, right. my entire skeletal integrity is compromised. <laughs> <laughs> and, and most importantly, you also created. When I'm on the mic. Create the generation of hype. Oh, yeah. That little ditty for us. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And that was, I was really happy with that too because I, I did it in like a morning and usually after a morning, <laughs> I kind of like listen back to something and go, oh, I hate that. I'm not sending it anywhere. And I didn't hate it. So, yeah. We don't hate it. It's, it's great. <laughs> Every time we it. tell people it was like done by like the, the human voice, like, nah, that's not possible. Like, no, no, yeah. it's true. It's, that, it is. It's actually done by Tom Thumb. Yeah. Yeah. A 15 year, year process condensed into a morning. <laughs> uh, so, tell- like, so, people don't really understand, like, when they hear that sound of, you know, the creative generation intro mm-hmm. and just heard it then, that is all of those sounds are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Right? Just all layered. Layered voice, um, so just like a whole bunch of harmonies and drums and yes, things like this. I hope we have a lot more of that happening throughout the uh, the uh, the podcast. Um, I guess the best place to start is like let's start at the beginning. Like, where did all of this start for you from being a, wanting to be a musician? Uh, I I never wanted to be a musician. It just happened. People started paying me for my weirdness, and then I just went, oh, I guess I'm professional now. Um, yeah, it was just like I, I had a whole bunch of hobbies that I was kind of spreading myself across evenly and then one just started becoming more lucrative than the other um, and it just started making music, started touring uh, and very rarely filming little clips and putting them on the internet and yeah, it just kind of snowballed after a while. It, it definitely wasn't a overnight road. A lot of people thought that... Um, you know, like the doing the TED Talk was my first foray into being online or being exposed, but I'd been performing for like 10 years before that. Yeah, we'll talk about the TED Talk in a minute, but mm-hmm. like you were saying, obviously you had a, you'd done a lot of performances before that. Yep. So you actually started as a musician before you did anything in video? A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, as a touring musician, I started like pretty much two years out of school. I got picked up for a tour and then toured the country with Joel Turner when he was doing his thing. Um, and then after that, in 2007, I want to say, or 2006, I started becoming parts of a like um, a big ensemble, like a touring circus, kind of contemporary circus ensemble. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was a juggler. Yeah, another one. <laughs> um, really? No, juggling <laughs> professions. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, no, so I joined that ensemble and then I toured with that until like 2012 and then, yeah. And was it always beatboxing or did the other stuff? Uh, in that show specifically, I was doing like a big kind of live art piece as well, like a mural um, where it was a really, really interesting thing where I, I painted a big piece on the Berlin Wall and left a square, 
like blank in the middle and then painted that square live and then with the visuals kind of synced it up to attach that square to complete the piece. So it was like this weird like three-dimensional kind of live art thing. Um, and then I also was a break dancer in that show and beatboxed. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I guess a lot of people don't actually know you're actually a very good visual artist as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And hum- incredibly humble too. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just one of my favorite character traits, actually, my humbleness. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So at what point did you just start to like actually do videos yourself? Um, well, I got interested in editing videos when I realized that a lot of the editing software uh, is very similar to the audio software I was using. It was like pretty much the exact same thing except with visuals as opposed to audio clips. Um, So I had a program that was like, I think it was Sony Vegas. And at the time I was using Acid Pro, which was another Sony program. And it was very similar. So I just started making really dumb little clips and just kind of stitching them together. But it wasn't until like, you know, maybe three or four years ago that I really started getting into the nuts and bolts of things, like trying to learn a little bit more. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really challenging, man. Like it's just taking another aspect of what I never intended to learn and then just throwing myself under a bus. Right. A bus on fire. <laughs> <laughs> nice. YouTube, bus on fire. Yeah. Awesome. What, so what was the, like, you know, three, four years ago, what was the catalyst for you to go, yeah, I'm going to like put a bit more effort into learning this and creating this content? There was no specific catalyst, I guess. Uh, my channel got a bit of a boost after the TED talk and people were like, Hey, when's your next video coming out? And I was like, (laughs) I don't know when I can be bothered putting out a video. Um, and so I guess that was kind of it. Uh, and also just like making sure that I maintained quality. Uh, that was my main kind of focus was like not taking any backward steps or rushing anything out. Uh, so about three, three or four or five or six years ago. I just started kind of putting things together and and trying to learn, but also learning by just failing a lot. And this TED Talk, I mean, it is, and we were just looking at this before you came in, it is still the most popular TED Talk ever done on like video. It's got like 70 million views, and is that right? Yeah, like that? 70 million. It, by a lot. Like yeah. the next biggest TED Talk video is at like 43 million views. So, um, yeah, it's incredibly popular TED Talk. Like, yeah. That's uh, pretty balling. Actually, that's how I first came across you, long before I even met you. I'd, I think somebody turned it to me and said, oh, check this out. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, so um, if you guys haven't seen it out there, check it out. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's called, well, it's it's on like three different platforms now. Yeah, right. Um, so there's one that's called Beatbox Brilliance. There's another one called The Orchestra in My Mouth. Um <laughs> which sounds like a porno, but it's not. Um, and the other one is just some guy that's ripped it, and now it's got like 28 million views on his channel. And is it on I your channel? No. It is not on my channel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to put it on my channel. But the pirate, yeah. Yeah, he's, but the pirate he's, is. He's, he's cracking the views. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was good. How much that actually, I mean, that was truly a, a big youtube viral hit <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't for me you didn't put it up yourself but yeah. um obviously you got really well known from that like what was the effect of having that uh yeah well i mean everyone's like oh man you must have been like traveling around like crazy after that and i having already been traveling around like crazy <laughs> it just allowed me to be a bit more selective mm. about where i went and what i did um so it was really nice and it also it also came at a point where i was like very much doubting everything. I was like, oh man, I've been doing this for a while. Like, is this what I want to be doing? Is like, how do I get to the next echelon? Or like, maybe I should consider going back to university and studying something again. Um, And so it came at a point where I was pretty just like over it. Mm. Um, My creative drive was very flaccid. So (laughs) yeah, it got the blood going again. It's uh, it's so interesting because so many like um, you know really talented people say that I was at the point where I had to decide what I wanted to do and I wasn't sure. And then you know something happened. Like what was like what? How did you get into to do the TEDx? Is it TEDx talk? Wasn't Mm -hmm. it? How did you how did you get into that? Uh, A friend of mine, Jordan, was running some of the entertainment on the day, and he was just like, "Hey man, do you reckon you can do a spot in between some of the speakers?" 
And at the time, I had no idea what a TED Talk was. And so I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, I'm not getting paid, but you reckon it'll be worth it? And he's like, yeah, man, it's going to be sick. And so on the day, I went down there. And for some reason, I thought that I was only supposed to do like five minutes or something, but maybe some of the schedule got shifted around and I had to do longer. So I just kind of had to like throw together a whole bunch of different routines and find interesting ways to connect them, like to put every, all the sounds in context. And so the morning of that, I was like, okay, I'll do this. I'll, oh, I could say that, that'd be interesting. How, so I, I really like just last minute threw it together. And I think if I had more time to plan it or knew that I had to plan it, I totally would have screwed it. Like I would have <laughs> so, over-engineered the whole thing. So you're saying the most viewed TED talk in, in the world <laughs> was put together last minute. Yeah, yeah. That, the, literally the morning of. Wow. Like I just put some notes and I went, oh, string that. That'd be funny. I can say that. I wonder if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> oh, well, let's find out. <laughs> That's incredible. And that was at the Sydney Opera House, right? Like that yeah. Was, yeah. Know, you're just sort of rocking up to the big house and winging it. It's brilliant. Yeah, well, I think like... I remember like before going on, I was so nervous and like sometimes I don't really get that like nervous, but when it's something that I'm not used to doing or it's like a different arena to present my art, I get like, oh man, what are these people going to think? They're all intellectuals and I'm just going to go up here and slobber everywhere with looking disheveled. And um, <laughs> and I think they all just gave me the, the like it started off as like a, Pity clap, but then they were just like, oh, good on him. He's giving it a red hot go. <laughs> um, so, but it was good, man. Like my mate did a talk before me. He he did some spoken word stuff and it, it went mental as well. Like he got a standing ovation. It was uh, performance poetry by Omar Musa. And so that kind of put me at ease a little bit, seeing people react really positively to him. Because mm. before that, all the talks were very, you know, deep world changing ideas and I, I just kind of got up there and did what I knew. I mean, obviously, I was probably equally as passionate about what I did as most of the speakers were, but in my head, I was just kind of like, oh, God, what are they going to think of me? Hey, hey, music music can change the world. I mean, we are all uh, we all know that the Friday song <laughs> that had a very positive impact on a lot of things. Yeah. I'm not sure. But no, it, it, I mean, it was great. I mean, you look at what? it. And Hang on, what? <laughs> What that, are you talking that was a joke. It was clearly a joke. No I mean, it created a lot of hate. Talking about. He's talking about Rebecca Black. Rebecca, exactly. I'm talking about Rebecca Black song, which oh, everyone okay. hated. Sorry, Tom must be a big fan too. No, I just think everyone's more aware. <laughs> that this existed on YouTube as a yeah. sensation, which I think had more dislikes and likes, one of those famous videos, but everyone couldn't get enough by mm. talking about it. But anyway... Um, that was a, an example. Well, obviously, went off a little, little off the off the uh, off the <laughs> good story, story there. Here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so let I mean, you're talking about big performances. That was a, a huge performance to, to play at the Opera House. Had you, had you done that before? Yeah, twice. I'd already played at the Opera House twice before then. Right. Um, so old hat kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the Opera House, house you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the smaller room. So that was my first time playing in the concert hall. Right. Um, and it was really good, man. It just like afterwards, I was, I've, it was kind of like I walked off stage going like, mm-hmm. yes, thank you very much. Thank you for watching my performance. <laughs> and then kind of got backstage and did like little, yeah, just little Farnhams. And nice. yeah. And have you, what's the biggest audience you've done live, played to live? 70 million. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, played to live. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe 10,000 more. I'm not sure. I, to get festival in Hungary was a large audience. Um, but I, I'd have to think about it, man. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to count them individually. Is there <laughs> ever been a live performance? You're like, <laughs> you're like as you walk in the door. One, stop stop two, moving. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has there ever been, though, uh, like a, a performance you were like completely like amazed by? I mean, obviously, that was a big one in the opera house. Anything else that you've ever gone, this is amazing? Yeah, like skin tingling kind of stuff mm. um yeah the first time i played the concert hall at qpac with qso was like that and also that's the queensland symphony yep, orchestra the yeah. queensland symphony orchestra yeah. um simply because once again it was something so far out of my realm of what which i'd done before um is that the ratchet face one yeah there's a video from that yeah, yeah. ratchet face exactly yeah. 
Uh, and then also when I did the project the first time at Powerhouse, it was really cool. It was just kind of like a really nice vibe. You just back from Germany as well? Yes, I am. Yeah, so performed in at, at uh, Beethoven Festival in Bonn, <laughs> um, which was really cool, uh, playing with 11 players. And that was also like a time where I felt like I'd gone like, and then I needed like a little, and so that was one of those moments um, for that as well, just because it was such a nice vibe, so much like solid tech support. I just didn't have to hustle for anything. It was just all there and I felt like I could just be an artist, roll in, do exactly what I'm good at and roll out. Uh, So that was really nice. But I'm sure there's millions of other ones. Well, not millions of other ones. Maybe there's like four other ones. But (laughs) yeah, it's certainly nice to have those little boosts where you're like, oh, I'm valid. My career choice is a thing. Yeah. I mean, like we mentioned before, like a lot of, um, you know, big creators, actually a lot of creators feel the same way. Like they get to a point and they're like, Start questioning everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that obviously is a tricky period to get over. Um, some artists don't make it out of that, and they end up doing something else. But like, what do you do for motivation when you get to a point where you're thinking, "What do, what do I do next?" Man, I'm literally in that point right now, and I have no idea. I'm considering going back and studying environmental engineering, and just like, yeah. Sometimes, man, I feel like my contribution to the fabric of Earth is not significant enough with just music. But I think that's also probably something to do with just like, you know, the anxiety of being an independent creator where you go on like, you're always second guessing things and you're like really conscious of your output, making sure that everything is like, like bang on. So mm. to find that motivation can sometimes be really hard. Um, and sometimes I find that the best thing for it is distance Mm. You know, just like being totally disconnected for it, from it for a week or two weeks or something, just and then finding that love again and going back in renewed. Um, yeah, but it, it's such a hard question, man. I wish I could bottle up mm. inspiration and just have a shot of it with with my coffee in the morning. But it it really is a hard thing to milk, mm. especially when you're like don't know what it is you're looking for. Yeah, we talk a lot about like creative mental health and keeping that that um, creativity fed and obviously people were saying you know, the more creative you try to be the more you sort of feed it kind of thing but you know it, that varies for everybody right you could yeah it, it's going to change it up all the time and, and it can be quite distressing i guess as well when you get to that point um but yeah it's a, it's interesting that that whole idea of disconnecting yourself and and get, get literally stepping away mm-hmm. and, and changing it up really makes well, a difference we've had quite a few that, creators say tom, that tom mm. what what do you do to to get that distance then like to disconnect Man, I I just go out into nature for sure. That's like I find the most inspiration in absolute silence because I'm so always surrounded by noise, like this cacophony of kind of ideas and sounds and different like musical inspirations. And sometimes it's really kind of hard to pan it all out and find that little nugget of gold inspiration. So sometimes just distance and just total silence, reconnecting with nature, I often go for like, overnight hikes or like go camping or just do some gardening it's like for sure the most the easiest way for me to regain my inspiration to make music that's cool yeah it's 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 like it's a popular youtubers want to do and crawl creators is disconnecting sometimes they argue and say well if i'm not here to make content what do i do but you just you just gotta you gotta do it right yeah and like this year i've kind of like like i was mentioning before i'm like i I, it kind of it's happened to me like every seven years so far (laughs) it's like the first time was seven years ago right before the ted talk and i feel like now i'm like oh what do i do what do i get my fingers into like to really feel like I'm activating my brain and then i'm like oh you know it'd be nice to have some time away from making music and i'm like okay but that's my job. That's how I earn a living. Mm. And as I get older and I feel like maybe, maybe there is some validity in having routines or things like that, but I'm not willing to give up yet. Mm. Good. When I'm on the mic. 
Fred, let's take a quick break here and just give ourselves a big plug. We are super excited by this new initiative. We have created the Changer Creator College. The Creator College, quite simply, is a place where you can get a whole bunch of online courses, including our brand new Accelerate course for YouTube, designed to help emerging and new creators become even better on the world's biggest video platform. The reason we think it's pretty good is that it's not just our opinions, but the opinions of a bunch of really great creators and experts coming together to give you a very logical, structured course. Damn right. It is the college just for creators. So check it out at changercollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R college.com. What's the process? I mean, obviously your music process, you said is similar to your video process, but I mean, we've seen you work on videos before and you have a, you're a perfectionist in that as well, aren't you? In terms of how it's delivered and how it looks and mm-hmm. you look at your videos even the small ones they're, they're so well done the little mini productions and all the effort you put into it um like how long will it take you to make a video generally well i mean i don't think there's any general time um you know like for like those little minute long ones usually i it takes me about two or three days only because i have to record everything compose everything mix everything shoot everything edit everything then do all the graphics mm. so it's not like it's it's not just the process of pointing a camera at myself, filming it and uploading. It's like a very from start to finish the creative process begins and ends with me. Can we can you just talk about look, I think a lot of people are confused when they talk about a beatboxer, they think about what they see on T V and that's just one person, you know, doing one thing. They don't think about all the, the various layers and how it's all put together in the process. Can you just talk about from like sort of start to when you're actually creating it and how you layer it up to how, mm-hmm. how it ends? Yeah, so, I mean, t- typically, like you said, you see a beatboxer as a solo beatboxer. They're just doing routines, uh, which I certainly do some of, but um, I, I've gotten more interested in the composition using voice. So I would consider myself more of a musician whose instrument is beatbox and vocal stuff. Um, so I really find joy in layering up sounds and finding complementary frequencies and stuff like that where everything just kind of sits together in this big warm bundle that you can put forward um, because I never learnt anything to do with music I never learnt to play any instruments or anything like that so now I'm learning to play instruments vocally and learning how to arrange those instruments so I usually start with drums or a melodic idea and then build chords around it and then just spend ages mixing it uh, because the the voice has a frequency range and every single layer is the voice. So you need to find like sounds that will fit well together without just sounding muddy. Mm-mm. So that's kind of generally like how I work, but I, for sure about 80% of the songs I write or the things I create never see the light of day. Right. Just because uh, I'm always thinking like, oh, you're only as good as your last video, which is a, sometimes a terrible mantra to have because you just second guess everything you're like it's not as good as this one that's got 70 million views how do i top that yeah it's very stifling sometimes what would make you throw out a out a a clip or video or or song you don't like uh giving it distance and then coming back to it and still not liking it Mm. that's like if there's like um so for example i did a video the other day that I shot in my media room, just um, two camera shoot, and it was a, a live take of a loop station thing, and there was just one note in there in the loop that was a few cents off, like from being perfectly pitched, and hearing it just rotate and rotate and rotate, it just gave like made me so angry. So I was like, "See ya, yeah." So it's stuff like that, just like things that. If I can't watch that video back and enjoy it myself, yeah. then usually it, I won't release it. That's ha- kind of the litmus test. Have you ever put out or thought about putting out like um, an album of your most hated songs you've ever done <laughs> and then just let people judge how bad they are? I bet they'd come back and say how amazing it is. Yeah, maybe, but I think I would listen to it and cringe. <laughs> so any music that I can't, that I make that I can't listen to, I won't release. Yeah, that's good. Um, because... I, I spend so long on the process that I don't want to flog a dead horse. You know what I mean? There's like, mm. if I'm not feeling it, I don't want to put any more effort into it. Yeah. So, and I know that's a stupid way of working because a lot of other people might appreciate the inconsistencies or not even notice 
that one note that's like a little tiny bit off. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, for, like I'm not good with music. My wife mm-hmm. loves it, and she'd say, "Oh, listen to the picture of this person," and I'm like, "Listen, I I just don't understand it." So for mm-hmm. me, I'd be like, "Oh, that sounds good," yeah, but I can understand how important it is to someone and and different people picking up different things. But um, it's such a it's such a varied area and so many people like so many different things especially on, in, in the world of YouTube right mm-hmm. um, and musicians are so enormously popular music is such a popular area of YouTube but it's such a hard area people do not understand how difficult it is and the creative process that goes around it and the amount of time like you said it takes to put together yeah. music right well my, my last video I did um, I did a, a crowdsource video that was like just layers and like. Sorry, I've got to say that was so good. If you haven't seen that, you've got to check this out. It was it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so that video, literally, like I had four days off in the middle of six weeks where I didn't work on it, but every other day apart from that, I was working like twelve hours a day to make it work to fit it. Like literally, from asking people to the samples to releasing the video took me six weeks. Can you just tell everyone what that was, the concept behind it? Yeah, so I put out a request on my Instagram for people to send me sounds, music, like instrument noises, one shots, just making weird sounds. It could be absolutely anything. The only stipulation I had was that if you were going to give me a loop, uh, it should be at 90 BPM which no one listened to anyway. (laughs) Um, So I ended up getting 407 different videos of just totally random stuff. Like uh, there was a lady, um, you know, playing some traditional Iranian instruments in the mountains or there was a guy like in the States playing blues guitar, like, and totally everything was, nothing was in key. It was just random sounds so i built a piece of music that was about five minutes long that had six very different sections uh and i the audio project itself had 130 different layers of audio uh and the video process looks like you know my project looks like the manhattan skyline it's got (laughs) so many different clips in it um so that was a real nightmare and also because it was all iPhone audio, I had to mix all iPhone audio to make it actually sound like a nice piece of music, which was a challenge in itself and a challenge that I'm stoked that I embarked on um, because it really taught me a lot about what frequencies are missing from the spectrum of um, phone microphones and stuff like that. Mm. But um, it it was crazy, man. And like I ended up using I think about 100 videos out of the 400 that I got uh, sent in, um, which kind of sucked because it made 300 people a little bit disappointed that they didn't make it in. I didn't think about that when I did it. My goal was to get as much in it as I could, but it was just like starting to become too much. Mm. So I had to be very selective about the layers I used and especially the layers that fit in with the rest of the music that I'd already made. And only one-tenth of my subscriber base, less than one-tenth of my subscriber base has watched it. Really? makes me so angry it, it is it is very good i want to talk to you about your thumbnail still on that tom but um <laughs> well, actually i want to backtrack onto tom's youtube channel because we've kind of talked around it but mm-hmm. um tom what do you what type of videos do you create like Ma- we, i think we've made some assumptions for, for people who don't know what type of videos do you make yeah so the videos that i make i guess aren't traditionally like beatbox videos i guess like there's a lot of channels that focus on like solo beatboxing and um all the different kind of like solo virtuosos out there but my i I really like just um layering stuff whether it's video or whether it's audio um and also just like finding weird ways to entertain myself and then hope that other people enjoy it too um, you know, like resyncing bits of or- already existing footage or um, reimagining songs, um, but really trying to put a different twist on things. Um, and also, yeah, collaborative projects, man. I really like doing that as well. It's a lot less lonely. And what's been your most popular YouTube type of video? Your style of video? Is it the covers? Is it what is it? Um, yeah, I guess covers. Yeah, there's like there's a cover of I Need a Dollar. I did. Mm. 
um, which which is is I guess it's a cover, uh, but I reworded it. Just it was just like a little promo that I threw together for a um, crowdfunding campaign that we did ages and ages ago to try and get to Edinburgh Festival. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's like one of the most popular videos on my channel, if not the most popular. Which I which I, I really like it as well, but uh, it was so long ago that I'm like, oh, I'm so much better now. Mm. Look at look at what I <laughs> just did the other day. Stop looking at that one. So you you also do a bunch of um, education content as well, like tutorials and things like that, right? Yeah, I have I have started doing a few of them. Um, I used to be really like cagey about giving away my secrets, but then I was like, oh, that's such a defeatist attitude. Um, and I found that by relinquishing some of my techniques and stuff just forced me to get better and come up with new stuff because I didn't have those in the vault anymore. It was kind of just going like setting your doves free kind of thing. So, yeah, I do do, do a, quite a bit of tutorial kind of stuff, um, which, also, which also does really well. And, and like, what's your motivation behind doing that other than, you know, the attitude of not just, you know, holding on to your secrets like what why do you uh a lot of people that? yeah so a lot of people ask for that um and i try and take into account what people want uh quite a lot so yeah i guess just helping helping out man the beatbox community is quite a close-knit community so just kind of giving up giving people the sort of level up and re- yeah cuz i mean you know, some person might take my sound and interpret a different way and then create a whole new sound, which then they can do a tutorial for. And it just kind of creates this, um, I don't know, snowballing effect of skill. And you, you, like we've mentioned it before, like a fair bit, you, you know, you're kind of a perfectionist when it comes to probably everything that you do. And then, so your channel's a bit different in terms of you don't have a regular upload schedule or a regular video release type Mm -hmm. that you're going to make right like when does a video come out for you man when it's ready dude i like i really tried to give it a nudge like to put out a video every week and i felt like i was just not giving it everything i've got Mm. i like and it's crazy man like just all these algorithmic changes have like really found me a little bit disheartened um i felt like a few years ago uh, it wasn't as important. Like people were just happy with nice, good, solid content. Um, but now I, I find myself really stretching sometimes and rushing and stressing myself to put out a video, uh, you know, even bi-weekly. Uh, and then I was, I was just kind of like a little bit disheartened, A, because the financial, like being that this is my job, being a musician, the financial return from working that hard to get out a video every two weeks was just peanuts compared to the amount of hours that I was putting in. Mm. And because I wasn't necessarily enjoying the process because I felt pressured about it, it just really felt like I was pushing shit uphill, basically. Uh, Even though I'm proud of what I did and there's nothing that I've looked back on and gone, I hate that, um, because I, I do have a very... A stringent quality control protocol so and you're talking about the monetization aspect like purely from ads on youtube mm-hmm. um do you do any other things to help with monetization for your videos and i mean around brand deals or anything like that as well i have yeah and that has generally been the better stuff for me like as soon as you have the freedom of of, of a, a little bit of budget man it just makes a difference like yeah, you just feel like a bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders because then you're like, okay, these people are giving me this money. I can give them this content knowing that I'm being paid for what I feel like I deserve to be paid for. Mm. And then I can just put every single iota of my being into creating a solid piece of content without worrying about where the next paycheck is going to come from. What about the the creative... um decisions you got to make when you're working with a brand i guess you don't have that ultimate freedom to do what you want like has it ever been a situation where you're like oh i don't i don't like what i'm doing here um no i'm very particular with that um i figure that people are coming to me to collaborate with me because of what they've seen 
what I do and the brand that I've put forward. Uh, and so I've been very lucky that every collaboration I've done, they've just kind of gone like, hey, man, you do your thing, bro. We're like, yeah. we're happy with, you know, like we trust you. Uh, there has been a few other things, um, but I've always managed to steer it in the direction I want it to go. There's nothing that I look back on and go, oh, I'm a sellout. What's the purpose of your YouTube channel then if it's, you know, the, the reward's not there financially, the amount of mm-hmm. time and effort? Um, the motivation behind my channel has yeah. always been um, an online portfolio. That's all I ever wanted it to be. And it's kind of coming full circle again where I'm just like, there is very little incentive um, for me to just pump out content on it. Content that I'm not fully invested in. So I think that I really want to just go back to just putting out quality videos when I feel like they've got the attention that, well, the, my attention, mm. I feel like I've fully invested in stuff. Cause that's when I'm most proudest, man. It's like, I, um, I, I can certainly do a video every two weeks if it's not my best stuff. And then, uh, you know, there is the argument that you just put out this filler content while you're working on a big video, but I just don't have time. It's like mm. even just the filler content takes me two or three days. Um, and anything else outside of that, I would, I would feel a little bit like I'm cheat or like lowering the integrity of my output. And then for the portfolio, who's that for? Is that like for yourself to look back on? Is that to like, yeah, just anyone that's interested in my art, basically. That's that's the idea is just like to see what I've done to also to map my journey for myself to like look back on my earlier stuff and go, oh, that's kind of better. Well, for, the, for the fans. For the fans. Yeah. yeah. Some of those early ones are pretty good with you on the couch and just. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like thinking about how low fire that was. <laughs> oh, man. I love that you've kept it there though. If, like, you know, that well, you are such a, a, a like quality is so valuable to you across everything you do that the fact that you've kept Mm -hmm. really shitty quality in terms of video production um, videos up there uh, that's really cool to see that too like that's seeing and the reason why i kept it there was to to look back and go oh man i've actually really improved with what i've done like how i'm a a lot more apt at using the technology now um because man there's like another i think my first video i put up there was from a ho- a crappy hotel room in like Billawila or something like that, like when I was on tour. Is that the one in your robe? No, no, that, that's like <laughs> way before then. Right, so right. like literally the first video I put up and they didn't put up something for like three years. Right. It's just like me just like sweaty, like <laughs> just with what, like it's probably even like an iPhone or, or not even an iPhone. It would have been just like a, probably just, I probably just drew it on my Nokia 6110 back then so yeah i just really wanted to keep the origins there because then i can see you know the journey and people can see that as well because it might like it's really nice to have a polished slick channel but when people can look back and go okay that's a really nice product i wonder what the progression was and then to see a video of me like sweating it out in the middle of rural queensland just like putting up some terrible stuff they go okay i can do this if that's where he started and like anyone can kind of do it if they just put in the hours. That's true. It's good advice. Um, and what about as a musician? Obviously, the you know the seventy million plus views on the TED Talk we talked about before. But you know, having your own channel has that helped you as a musician, like touring or gigs or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people know me from what I do on YouTube. So absolutely, um, like it is a place where people can just come and check out what I do and sort of get an idea for what I might do at a show or people might go, Oh, that'd be cool. Interesting to have this guy there. And, um, but in terms of like learning as a musician, it hasn't really been that instrumental, but it's certainly been, uh, instrumental as like a business card for what I do. Absolutely. You said a lot of people obviously see then obviously your fan base can see that too. I mean, can you talk to us about, about your fans? I mean, we were just here in the office and someone, saw you and they had a little mini meltdown um do you get like those fan moments now when you're out there yeah but in the weirdest times like and just like 
<laughs> sometimes I get like things that just make me like die a little bit inside as well. Like an, one time I was out in the valley and in, in Brisbane, like it sometimes it happens a lot in Brizzy just because I'm, I'm from Brisbane. So Ooh. people might know me, but another time I, I was going to a bar and I walked up to the bar and this guy turned around to me and said, you look like a fatter version of Tom Thumb. And, I went, <laughs> <"Fuck."> <laughs> and then I just went, Oh no. <laughs> Wow. So that was a bit of a... Great fan moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So that was a bit sad. Um, But then I was in a bar in Bonn in Germany just recently, like on the last night of the concert. And I was just like hanging out with all the players. And a guy came up to me and he he said, "Uh, are you from England? And I went, no, I'm from Australia. And he's like, are you Tom Thumb? And I was like, yes. And this (laughs) is like in, in a relatively small town in the middle of Germany at a bar. So the guy must have seen some of my recent videos or something like that. So That's that was cool. that, that was kind of nice, and it was also super embarrassing because like all the the string players we were with, they were kind of like ribbing me a bit, like, "Oh, so are you like famous? Are you like a big deal in Australia?" And then like ten minutes later, this guy in Germany was just like, "Hey, you're Tom Thumb." I was like, oh. "Yeah," it just paid me out. Well, but what about out. the people who actually do they ever come up to you and go, "Oh, can you make this noise for me?" Like. Like every time we're at an event, people are always asking, "Oh, can you can you do this? Can you beatbox for us?" And you just like you get Justin Timberlake to sing for you if you saw yeah. him in public. Yeah, you, yeah. Man. Yes, okay, yes, so do. <laughs> I I often think about this. It used to happen a lot at parties or like at gigs where I'd be at. Um, people would be like, "Oh man, you can you can quickly just fill this set?" Or, "Hey man, can you show my mate? Oh, you come. This guy's gonna do the, do his beatboxing," which was cool because. Back in the day when you're not professional, you want to show off. You want to be like, yeah, what's up? I'm the beatbox guy, the mouth guy. Um, but <laughs> now it's kind of like, um, I don't mind, but I also hate feeling like a show off. Like if, you know, someone's walking past and they just see me like beatboxing away, they might be like, oh, look at this guy. Um, yeah, so it it did happen a lot. And I often think about like, would I go up to my accountant and go, hey, man, hey, quickly, can you run these numbers for me? It's like, no. Would you go up to a barber in the street and be like, hey, man, just a little off the sides? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of like, I mean, obviously I love what I do, so I don't mind doing it, but it, sometimes it does feel like a little bit like, oh, dude, come on, man, not here. We're in a restaurant or something like that. Um but often beatboxers will ask me about how to do certain sounds and right. I'm 100% happy to answer those questions. Right. Okay. Well, um, then you're going to hate this next bit. Do you want to show people, like, just the rage of it? Like, I guess when you hear you beatboxing, you hear all the different sounds you make together, but can you just do, like, isolated instruments so people can hear the difference in, in some of the things? Maybe it's a bit of a mm-hmm. sample for the uh, good people here at Creative, Creative Generation. Yeah. All right, um, so I do a lot of turntablism stuff, so copying, um, emulating DJs, like... Um, other scratches, like... Um, trumpets, I love doing trumpets. You can do muted trumpets as well, like. Um, trombones and tubers. Um, lots of different basses. I love doing basses. Um, what other things have I got? Uh, talk box. I like doing talk box. Um, um, synth lines. Uh, different sound effects like. Um, what else can I do? I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, was, I was like, what? This is going to be the best sounding version of this show we've ever done. Yeah. Fred, your turn. Okay. Uh, well, no, well, this is a good point, Ant. I think, though, while we have Tom here, 
I think he should no. judge which of us is a better beatboxer. And what do you think? Yeah, oh, not, a, <laughs> not a chance. I think we should do it. Okay, I think you should go first, no. Ant. Come on, please. No. Beatbox no, it. Beatbox with the people. All right, I'm going to go. Ready? No. no. <laughs> How was that, Tom? Be honest. Be honest. It had character. <laughs> there was. I loved the. The space in between the noises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Ed! You got to do it for the people. For the people, you know, I, like I've learnt something really important from Tom today. Don't put out something that you know it's just not quite up there. I've watched a bunch of Tom's tutorials. I think the scratch one, which I think mm-hmm. it was like the thaka thaka. I can't even remember what it is. Hey, so there, we there we go. There we go, Ed. I couldn't even, yeah. Like, I watched the tutorial a couple of times and I was like, just trying to just trying to understand you and your world a bit more. And I'm like, Tom just says, yeah, this, you just you say thaka thaka and you say that a couple of times. And it's like, yeah. All of a sudden it's like thaka thaka wa, waka waka ta. And I'm like, what the hell just happened to you? Uh, yeah. Well, you just done it. You've you gone and bloody done it, well, mate. Well done. Well done. <laughs> You clearly watched and paid attention. Yeah. I did. I'm ready to go tour the world. I'll see you in Bonn next time at the uh, Beethoven Festival. <laughs> oh, no, I think I think Ant's won it. His, 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 his thaka thakas were much better than my... I don't know what like I actually tr- said. Like, a, like, a, <laughs> like your dial-up modem. Yeah, well, I, yeah I really <laughs> little modem. Press yeah. the button for Fred's the, modem um, voice. The song for the Creative Generation track and did be like, yeah, I just this is something I've been practicing. Man, you, you bloody nailed it, mate. <laughs> Your thucker thuckers are incredible. That's all I got. Well, what's next for you, Tom? What's the, what's the next big yeah. thing? The next big thing is I am scoring, live scoring a silent film. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine just scoring a silent film. That'd be so easy. <laughs> so they're quietly smoking. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I'm, I'm providing a live score to a silent film for Brisbane International Film Festival. Um which is October 11th and 12th at Goma. Uh, and it's going to be cool because the movie is like a very interesting blank canvas. Like there's, it's almost like you can really chop into it with the soundtrack. There's nothing too, I mean, it is a very sacred movie because it was one of the first science fiction movies ever made. Mm. Uh, and in Soviet Russia too. So it was a 1924 movie called Elita Queen of Mars and it was one of the first science fiction movies ever made. Um, but it's it's very robust. Like there is a bit of moving room and room to interpret the score. So I'm doing the weirdest stuff in there. Like I'm playing a drill, like a, a sample to <laughs> drill into my synthesizers, um, playing like a, a revolving fan to create, like using the microphone and the magnets in the fan to create these like... And just creating this huge soundscape, and I'm doing it with um, my friend Ben Walsh, who's who who was the drummer of a group called The Bird, like incredible drummer bass kind of style stuff, electric percussion. But he's playing like so many weird instruments as well, like marimba, theremin, like big giant long spring. Like we've got this huge coil that makes all these like laser noises, and then I'm also playing it with uh, Gordon Hamilton who's the conductor-composer that I work with for all of our orchestral stuff, uh, who's a phenomenal keyboardist as well. So we're just, like, going to town on one of the weirdest things I've ever done. But it's it's really cool because it allows me to be a really interpretive with the score. Like, it doesn't have to be just music. It's not like creating an album where it has to be, like, the music has to tell the story. The movie tells the story and you just kind of underscore that. So it's disjunct and often jagged to listen to it's really really exciting two two hours and six minutes nice of communist propaganda (laughs) (laughs) very nice indeed will that be recorded or is that is this a is it one time uh it's two two times um i think i think it will be recorded um but i guarantee the the live experience will definitely be more interesting i've got a few like tricks up my sleeve uh, surprises for the actual like um, screening. So it'll be cool. Awesome. Things that I don't think many people have done. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, awesome. let's see. That's super cool. So Tom, um, we normally finish up with uh, getting 
our guests to share their top three tips so for creators. So, mm-hmm. you know, what are your top three tips? Well, one of the top tips is to give yourself space between the things that you love because otherwise it'll just become monotonous. Um, you know, like don't be afraid to burn out sometimes. Like everyone does it and then you just need to give yourself some distance um, if you just like push things too hard, it's just not going to be true to yourself and you're not going to enjoy the process. And being a creator, I'm lucky enough to really enjoy what I do. So to have that ripped away from me at, by just burning out, uh, I would be very sad. So I'm very conscious of giving myself time off every now and then, even though it's hard, especially if you're self-employed and you do what you love for a living, uh, give yourself some space, just close your laptop walk out the door, go hang out with your friends, go for a walk in the bush, like just chill. That's definitely um, one major piece of advice. Uh, Also, if you see yourself doing this for a long time, don't ever compromise your integrity because you will look back on it and and regret some of the choices you've made. Um, You know, people want to work with you or people enjoy what you do because of the way you do it. Uh, you've garnered your success from your ideas, from your mind and from your personality. So don't feel as though you have to ever compromise on that. Uh, if you are feeling like you have to compromise on it, it's probably not the thing that you should be doing. Um, and a third piece of advice, feel free. Well, this is very relevant to me because YouTube is not my cash cow. Um so I think it's also very important to step outside that lens as well um, and think outside the box. And then a lot of those ideas that you get from being off the internet and from being in the real world, you can translate back uh, to online content as well. But I think just as long as you're not stuck there, just reading the comments every day and crying into your coffee, <laughs> I think it's a good thing. Very good that idea. is awesome advice. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. Um, well, that's it. Tom Thumb. Thank you so much for hanging out with us at Creator Generation. It's always awesome to have uh, spend time with you. And um, got to say thanks so much again for that awesome intro music we've got. It's can, no worries. Can, can I ask you one thing, Tom? So can, can you just make like one noise or one little loop just, just quickly? Mm-hmm. Of anything, of anything you like. Awesome. So we're going to take that. We're going to take my little beatbox. We're going to take Ant's little beatbox. We're going to mix it up, and that's going to be the outro music. We're going to see how it goes, and uh, we will say goodbye. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Peace.